just want to honor her and thank you for being obedient and being bold enough to have a vision and actually see it through. Because I think we often miss that see it through part. So I'm just really thankful for you for that, for bringing us all together this weekend. Um, and I'm just excited to see what God does. So we're going to dive in. We're going to pray together because I need prayer. So <laughs> God, we just thank you. We love you. We thank you that your presence is already here, God. We thank you that your presence is even made known as we talk to each other, as we share a meal together, that you are so close to us and you're so faithful, God. And we just love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way this morning. Everything that is of you, God, that it would strike true to the heart, to the places that need it, God, and everything that's not of you, would it fall to the floor? God, we just thank you for who you are. And we thank you for the opportunity that we can come to you to your throne room and ask you for more. I'm Pastor Garrett now. Ooh, that's boomy. That is Pastor Garrett's mic. Okay. <laughs> So this morning, I really wanted to talk about the power of being known. Um, I think especially as women, we can tell when we're in the presence of people that know us, we act a little different, we get a little crazy in a good way, um, and it's the power of being known that says, I can be my full self, and I know that it's safe, and this is a safe place here. And I was thinking about that, how we were actually created with a need to be known. And I was asking God about that because he created us in his image, like Pastor Brianna was saying last night. So there's nothing that he put inside of us that doesn't also reflect part of his character. And so seeing that and seeing this God that created everything that we see, and he actually created us because he wanted to be known. He created us so that we could know the communion that he has with the Trinity, with the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus, who was the word at the beginning that was with him. And it kind of blew my mind for a minute, because I'm like, when I think of something that I need, I view it as a weakness, where it's something that I can't do without, then it's like, oh my gosh, like, I really, like, I need community. I am not a full person without community. And it's it's easy sometimes to look at those things and think like, oh, that's a weakness, but no, it's a strength. And God created us for that community. We were born from relationship. We were humans, mankind was created from the relationship of the Trinity, of these three beings that knew each other and were the same, and I can't fully, I'll never fully understand that. And then even just in the natural birth, being created from people knowing each other and relationship and how key that is. Um, and so I really just felt like that there was a, a piece of God's character and who he was and the needing to be known, the power of being known and his desire for us to know him. So, and as we were talking about even the theme for this conference, Unveiled and Undaunted, and I was thinking about the veil and it took me back to Exodus 26 when God is telling Moses how he wants him to build the temple 
uh, and he says, you're going to make this veil, and it's very detailed. These are the colors that I want it to be. This is where it's going to hang, and it's going to separate the holy from the most holy place, and it's going to be that protective separation. Uh, and I was thinking about what a veil is, where in that context, the veil was to protect the people from the presence and the power of God because it was the raw presence resting in that place where even the priests that went in, they had to go through this purification process before they could even walk in, and they walked in with ropes tied to their ankles because it was known that they would fall dead in the, prop, in the presence, not all of them, thank God. Um, and if they did, you couldn't go in, so you had to drag them out. And so it was this raw power of God, but even seeing in that, that that was not, that wasn't the end. God's original intent, and even in telling Moses, this is how I want you to create the veil, and this is the purpose, he saw forward to Jesus and saying, my intent is not for a veil between me and my children. For this time, this is how it has to be, but my fulfillment is coming when I rend the veil from top to bottom and there is no separation between me and my children. And so I was thinking of this veil and how nowadays we kind of have the veil in some religions that's seen as protecting what is weak, um, as a, I need to protect what's on the inside from the influence of the outside because what's inside can't handle what's out there. Or I need to keep this safe from um, this outer threat. And I think that that's good and it's true in some situations, but even in, you know, we see it in marriage too of the veil of, you know, walking up, presenting yourself to your husband and then lifting the veil as that significance of we will fully know each other and no one else and that there is that, you know, that sacred communion there. But I felt like God was saying that sometimes the enemy will put a veil or we'll take a veil and we'll think that it's us protecting ourselves from what's outside. And the enemy wants that because in reality, we're actually keeping the power inside of us that we have for the world, that will change the world, and we're veiling ourselves from it. And I, you know, just in this past year, I moved here from California. It's a little different, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> you can laugh with me. Um, and I struggled just with feeling not known and being in a place that I didn't know. And I took on this mindset of I need, to, I need to protect myself here because I'm not known. I don't have this safe place. I don't know this place. And so I walked with this veil in front of me that was this self-protection or self-preservation. And, and I thought that that was a holy thing. And I think in some seasons of our lives, it's good. We do need to protect ourselves and be wise. Um, but it was actually the enemy telling me, this veil is good for you. This is, this is protecting you. This is preserving you. And it's keeping you from outside harm. When in reality, God was trying to say, there's power on the other side of these relationships and this vulnerability. And there's power in you that will shift the atmosphere in the areas that you're dissatisfied with. And you have to be able to, to rend that, to tear that thing down. And so all of that to say of just starting to understand that God's heart is closeness that he's always operating from a place of wanting to know us and wanting to be fully known. And I think it shifts, 
in us our identity when we realize that there's someone that is chasing after us. He wants to be known by us. And I think that, you know, I laugh, you know, when I was younger and my relationship with my mom, I just really needed to know that she loved me. And I asked her a ton of questions. And I was, I think just normally when we're young, we're really self-centered. We're figuring out who we are. And there came a shift when I got into my teenage years where it was kind of that realization of like, I'm not going to live with you forever. I have to be an adult. So if we're going to have a relationship, we need to be able to shift to be friends in a weird but honoring and respectful way. And it was the first time that I actually started looking at my mom and I started saying, who are you? <laughs> like, what are your dreams? What do you like to do? And a lot of the things I already knew because I knew who she was, but it shifted this relationship as the maturity came where I was like, I, what's your heart? Like, what, was your, what were your dreams when you were my age? What is the dream even now that you're going after? What do you love? What breaks your heart so badly? Even in me, like, what are the things that, that you've seen in me that remind you of yourself? Um, and I felt like it was the same with God where we first come to him. It's like, and it's beautiful, and it's this season of God just like, God, I love you. Just be loved. Just, I just need you to love me and heal me and flesh these things out. And it's good, and that season is so right. But then God moves into, I want full relationship with you. And so that actually comes with an exchange of you wanting to know me and shifting it around and saying, God, what's your heart? What breaks your heart? What do you love? And even in those moments of ministering to God's heart, because that's part of our call too, and pouring our love on him and what that exchange looks like as we go through that maturing process where it is a relationship. There is give and take, and it's not, God doesn't need to be known because he has an insecurity he needs to fill. I think a lot of the times, you know, with the fall and with shame, like Pastor Brianna was talking about last night, our need to be known can come from an insecurity of just needing affirmation. But when God needs to be known, it's not to fill an emptiness or a void. It's to bring the delight to his heart of true relationship. And because he knows that when we fully know him, that it changes us. And he knows that we can't be who we were created to be until we know who our creator was. And so I want to talk about this story um, that really hit me. I've read it a hundred times. But in Matthew 16, 13, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And they're in Caesarea Philippi, if I said that right. Um, and uh, he's just talking to them about, you know, who do people say that I am? And I think it's so funny. Even in Jesus' life, he was the full power and presence of God in flesh. And he chose to do his ministry with people. He chose to do it in relationship. He chose to do it known. Because if God, if Jesus would have come to preach the gospel, which the whole gospel is knowing Jesus Christ, and didn't actually allow anyone to know him or seek to know anyone, I don't think we would have this. Because <laughs> people had to write this. And so I just, I think that there's something so key there to his desire to be known and knowing that the people around him needed him to say, I know you. Um, ooh, 
shaky up here. So I want to read through this story with you guys, starting in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so I think Jesus was just kind of testing the waters of just like, hey, who do people tell you that I am? Like, what do you hear out in the crowds as you're ministering, as you're he- he- healing and listening to people's stories? What do people say about me? And then he turns and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, are a rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And it's in that exchange where Jesus is asking, who do you say that I am? Where it's that prompting of, do you know me? All these other people, they see what I do, but you've walked with me. Do you know me? Because if you don't know me, then I've missed the whole point of me being here. So do you know me? Who do you say that I am? And Simon, who has a revelation from heaven, and this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, revelation from heaven, a prophecy, and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And he speaks that out, and he speaks out the identity of Jesus in that moment of revelation. And then you see in reverse, Jesus says, you are a rock. You are the foundation of my church. And it's not just Peter, if you look into it. It's the rock of the church is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. But as we follow Peter, we see that he was so instrumental in establishing that and teaching on who Jesus Christ was. But it was this relational exchange where Peter sees, hears heaven, Here's what the angels are saying in heaven, what God is saying in heaven. He's saying, this is my son. This is the Messiah. Jesus hears that from him, filled with joy, as any parent would be or a father or friend would be, to say, like, oh, my gosh, they get it. They know me. Filled with that. And he says, you are a rock. You're, you're my child. You're the reason that I came. And it's this exchange that I think we are supposed to be so accustomed to. And we get it twisted sometimes. I know I do, where I ask myself first, who am I? And then I ask, God, who are you? Like, let me figure out me, and then from that context, let me try to understand who you are. And we flip it around, where really it's supposed to be, God, who are you? And if I know nothing else, then I know who I am because I know who created me. And it's supposed to be this exchange where maybe I'm struggling over here, where I'm just like, I... I don't have what it takes here. I'm just not feeling strong here. But I look to the word and I say, God, you are my defender. You are a warrior. You are strong in every situation. And then he says, you are my child. I created you a warrior. I created you strong in every situation. You have full access to me. Or we're saying, God, I don't, I I just don't trust my mind. I feel like I can't trust my mind. There's darkness, there's depression. And we say, God, who are you? You are a light. 
You are truth. You are life. You break through every stronghold. And then he says, you're my child. You are the light. You are the fullness of my inheritance. You are everything that I died for. You are the treasure that was worth the price. And it's this exchange where instead of asking who I am, it's God, who are you? Who do you say that you are? And out of the overflow of his delight of just his children coming to him and wanting to know him, then he says, if you can understand who I am, you can understand who you are. If you can understand that I'm good and believe it, and really believe it, then you can understand that I created you good, and I actually have a good plan for you. And it's this exchange that we have to make, but I, I always get it mixed up where I'm just like, God, who am I? I'm just this little person. Just tell me who I am. I need purpose. I'm not moving right now. I'm not making progress. I don't do good with not making progress. I don't know if anybody else is like that. And I get so stuck in this thing of like, who am I? Let me take all these personality tests and quizzes, because I love quizzes. Women love quizzes. Um, and, and trying to figure it out and think like, oh, that, that piece works, that works here, I think I am that person, I do do that, I do that all the time, why do I do that? And it's, I'm not saying that being self-aware is bad, it's good to be self-aware, it will save you from a lot of embarrassing situations, but at the core of it, the very first thing that we should be saying is, God, who are you? And what's so beautiful about it is that it doesn't, we don't do it alone. We have an entire guidebook, and then the beauty of, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who is always speaking. He's always speaking. He's always speaking. And he might not be telling you exactly in the situation, I need you to go left. I need you to take that job, that one right there. I need you to apply to this application, the third one down on the left, that one. He might not be speaking that way, but he is always telling you who he is. And if you listen to who he is, you start to understand who you are, and then when you get to that situation where you have to go right or left, you know exactly what it is. And even if you don't, you're not afraid to walk into it because I know that my God guides my footsteps. I know that my God does not turn left or right. His eyes are on me. His eyes are on the sparrow. And it's this confidence that doesn't come from, what is my personality type? Which I love personality types. I really want to know all of your personality types, even still. But... It's so much deeper than that, where our truest identity comes from who God is. It's not our background. It's not the way that we were raised. Uh, it's not weird things we do when we get nervous, like I talk fast or I laugh funny. That's not who we are. Those are pieces, and God still looks at those and says, I love that about you. It's kind of funny. But our truest identity is who he is to us. And there's this verse in 2 Corinthians. As I was just processing, you know, this, this relational exchange and the rending of the veil that happened at the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit for us. And this verse says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, from one degree of glory to another. And I just felt like that so beautifully summed up this exchange that happens 
where God's heart is to rend the veil, no separation, because he wants us to know him. Because he knows if we don't know him, we're not going to know us. And if we don't know us, we don't know our purpose. And if we don't know our purpose, we walk around with questions, and we're not impacting people. We're not removing the veil so the power can go forth. We're hiding behind this veil of saying, I don't know who I am, so I need to protect myself from this world that's trying to tell me who I am. So when you don't understand that authority, that identity, that power that's inside of you, you shut yourself off and you say, I have to protect myself. When God's saying, if you know who I am, if you know the power that's inside of you, there's a confidence, there's an identity where you step out, you let the veil fall where it is, like Miss Brianna was saying, where we are naked and unashamed, where it's, this is who I am, I'm not ashamed, and it's not because it's me, it's because it's Jesus. And every day, as I see him, as I behold him with unveiled face, I become more like him. And so I have the identity and the authority of knowing who I am because I know who my God is. I gotta skip ahead to my notes because, you know, I'm skipping around all over the place. So, all of that to say, from the very beginning, the intention was that there would be no separation. And it's out of this heart of love. And we always say, you know, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. And the only reason we can actually live like that is because somebody already made it about us. And I think sometimes we can see in seasons of our own lives or in people we love where there's that insecurity, they need people to be all about them. And it's not a bad thing necessarily, but all of us need that assurance that somebody's all about me so that I can go be all about somebody else because somebody taught me how to be all about somebody else. And so when we see Jesus on the cross and we see God in heaven heartbreaking as his most treasured, beloved son is dying and he is joyful about it, in some strange way because in the moment that it's complete, the veil is torn and there's this release and this knowing that there's nothing separating me from my children anymore. And it was his heart from the very beginning and if we can understand that and if we can come to him and it's a lifelong process of who are you and he's not afraid of that question, and it doesn't make you weak or unspiritual, because there's so many different facets of God. We're never going to fully be done learning who he is or what his character is. But it's that, who are you? And I think it's funny, because even God asked the people first, who do you say that I am? He wanted it. He was leading the conversation. He was pulling it out of them. He wanted them to have that desire, and he wanted to reveal the mystery. And that's something we need to understand. God wants to reveal the mystery. He doesn't stay hidden because he feels good about being hidden. He wants to reveal the mystery, and it's for the people that have the hunger for it. And anybody in this room that has a hunger to know what your purpose is, if we can redirect that to a hunger to know what our, who our God is, the purpose comes. It all flows. It flows from that place but it's first understanding who he is. 
And it starts with remembering that God's heart always has been no separation. He is always speaking. Part of that key thing in relationship is always the communing together. God's speaking to us. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And what I recognize about this verse, it's actually a promise. It's not just a description, it's an actual promise. If you are my sheep, you do hear my voice. And I do know you and you do follow me. And we need to read that as a promise and not just this nice thing of, you hear me. It's like, no, you hear me. You are my sheep. I do know you. I do see where you are. And you are following me. And there needs to be, when we read the scripture, with, that's a promise to have that confidence because we know the character of God. And then in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, he rejoices over you with shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. So I want to read this. It's from a book. Um, one of my pastors back in California. And he says, prophetic identity, stepping into your truest identity, is all about the process. It is discovering who God says we are in the scripture and who heaven says we are. We are discovering who God says we are by hearing the Holy Spirit. And we are hearing who we truly are through the prophetic ministry as the Lord speaks out our identity through others. And so with Peter, we see he had this exchange, and it seems a lot easier when you're actually sitting in front of Jesus and having a conversation over a meal. Um, but we still have the same access to God today. We actually have more because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so the three ways right now, today, that we can actually hear from God, we're communing with God, we begin to know God as one through the word of God. Who does the Bible say that God is? And who does the Bible say that I am? And that is something that is always available to us. And then, two, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that comes even while we read our Bible, the Holy Spirit revealing those truths to us um, and revealing himself to us in everything. People can walk outside in creation and get a revelation from the Holy Spirit and seeing something. And God is so faithful to use those things. And I want to very quickly go over um, four kind of categories of the way that people hear from God. Uh, and as you're listening, just kind of, you know, pick up, you know, there might be something that grabs you, that sticks out to you. So there's one kind of person that's called the hearer. These are the people that say, God told me. Um, people who feel that they hear God's voice directly, or it's just a strong impression in their spirit, where they can hear what God is doing or how he's moving. The second is the knower. These people are very just intuitive. They're like, I can't explain to you how I knew to go there or to say that. I just knew it. I just know, I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to do this thing or I'm supposed to go talk to that person. Then we have seers. They're visionary, dreamer. They get actual pictures or images of what God is saying, what he's doing, or these are more of the people who hear through being in creation. And then also with dreamers, people that actually have big vision, it's actually the Holy Spirit showing them what that plan is and they get excited about vision. We all know those people. They are really excited. Um, and then the last one is a feeler. Feelers feel spiritual things. They feel environments. They're affected by a very real presence that affects their emotions. Um, some of these people are often accused of being overly emotional. A lot of these people are actually medicated in our society today because they feel so strongly uh, the environments that they are and they don't have language for it until they really understand the spirit realm and God and who God is, um, and they often will start out sentences with, I just feel like this, I just feel it. 
Um, so those are kind of the four, and that these aren't the only things, but these are just good overarching kind of classifications to understand how God is speaking. And I don't say those things to put you in a box because all of us operate in all those things in any different season. I just say that to say that God is speaking to you all the time, but sometimes it just comes from understanding how he's talking to you. Just like my parents had to talk to me differently than they talked to my brothers. My mom could look at me disappointed and I was crying and I was putting myself in timeout. She had to spank my brothers. There was no look that was gonna do anything. It had to be firm pain. Um, but I just say that to say that a good parent, <laughs> sorry, I love my brothers, but a good parent knows that and they speak to each child differently. And so, but I think we get insecure sometimes, especially when we are around people that are hearers where they say, God told me this, so I did it, and this great thing happened, and it was great. And you're like, wow, God is literally talking to you. Or those people you hear preach and they're like, I woke up this morning, and me and God were just talking for two hours. And I'm like, what am I, am I not eating the right thing for breakfast? Because God is not sitting next to me talking to me. So is it Wheaties? I don't know. But we compare even the way that God talks to us, and we kind of level in our mind these things that are more powerful or more spiritual. Um, and then we say to ourselves, well, like, I didn't read my Bible this week, so God's not going to talk to me. <laughs> and I think God actually talked to me more strongly when I was a kid, when I had no idea what was really, like, the expectation before people could tell me that I needed to complete a checklist to be pleasing to God because I didn't question it when he spoke then. I just knew that he loved me. And I didn't really know anything about theology. I just knew that God loved me and he liked me and he wanted to talk to me, so we talked. Um, but I just say that to say that there should be no insecurity in those places. God is always speaking to you, but the way he speaks to you is very different from someone else. God has to knock me out and give me a dream to talk to me because my mind does not shut up all day. So he literally has to wait till I am knocked out and then he's gonna give me a dream and then I have to wake up and then go, oh, because if he's talking to me during the day, I'm not seeing it because I'm going like this all day long and I'm not stopping. I'm focusing on what I'm supposed to do. So half the time, God's just like, I just need to knock you out. I just need to knock you out and then I'll talk to you. And I'm so glad that he's faithful to do that because he is a good dad. He doesn't look at that and say, you're too busy. I ain't talking to you. You didn't carve out that space for me, which we do still need to do that. But he's faithful to speak to us where we are. And so I just say that to encourage you not to feel like you're not spiritual, that you're not hearing from God, that he's not talking to you. He wants to talk to you. He's always talking to you. Sometimes you just have to figure out what your language is with him. Um, and so the third way also is through, through the gift of prophecy and through other people actually hearing God for you. And prophetic is one of those words that kind of has got like that spiritual prophecy. Like, I feel like you have to say it like that. But it's really simple. Prophecy is very simply hearing God's heart for God's people. And that's it. That's it. And when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, it's easy. I could do that. God loves you. <laughs> I'm prophesying. Because that's his heart for you. And obviously, it goes deeper than that. And a lot of people are very gifted to speak directly to situations and to wounds and to use that thing as healing or ministry. Um, but there is something powerful when heaven actually uses a, another person to speak to you and where you're at. The reason why it hits us so hard is because it's us saying, God knows me. And he knows you so 
so much and he wants to know you so much more that he's actually gonna go over to this person and say, hey, do you see my daughter over there? I really love her. She's going through a really hard time. I need you to hold her. And I actually, I have this message for her. I need you to go up to her and I need you to speak to her and say, I've called her bold and the dream that she has that she's afraid of, that she's too timid to go after, I'm bringing a supply. I'm bringing boldness. I'm bringing all of it. And then he goes over here. He says, you see that girl over there? I like her a lot. She's really struggling right now. She needs to make a decision. And I need her to know that I actually need her to make the decision that is harder, but it's, I'm going to make it easy. And in that moment, when someone walks up to you and says, hey, I don't know you. You don't really know me, but God knows you. And he really cares about you enough that he's actually going to interrupt my day, <laughs> stop me where I am, because you're that important. And so I love that. <laughs> That's why I love prophecy, just seeing the impact that it's had in my own life of really having that moment of like, wow, God picked me out in a crowd, and he read my mail. And so all of those things, you know, kind of build up that picture of how God speaks to us now, how he is speaking, how he's always speaking. Um, and so, Lacey, if you would come up. I want to actually be able to activate these things. You know, I talked about through the word, through the way that God, the Holy Spirit personally speaks to us, and then through prophecy of other people speaking um, what heaven is saying about us to us. Um, and so even last night, you know, we've, we've dove into the word um, and the scripture and trying to go after and hopefully reveal a little bit more of God's heart in the word for us that his original intent was that there would be no separation. But right now, I want to actually um, practice something with you guys. So if you could pull out a piece of paper or if you have a phone and you open your notes, I'm not going to think you're texting unless you are texting, then you should feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So we're just going to do um, something really quickly, and this is actually an exercise that um, brought a lot of breakthrough in my life where I was just stuck. I just felt like God was not talking to me. I was doing something wrong, um, and I just really needed to like feed off of someone's faith that God was talking to me. Um, and so it was just very simple, but somebody would lead me on a list of questions, and they said, I'm going to ask you a question. And uh, it's a question for God. We're going to ask God a question together, and he's going to give you an answer. And I have faith that he's going to give you an answer. And the first thing that comes to your mind, I want you to write it down. So we're going to practice this together. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit, that God's going to speak to you. Um, so like I said, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to ask God this question together. And just immediately, the first thing that comes to your mind, I want you to go ahead and write it down. So the first question is this. God... What do you think about me? What do you think of me? Just the first thought, first picture, first feeling. And the second question is God who are you to me in this season?
whether it's a picture, whether it's a feeling, whether you're actually hearing a phrase, just write down the first thing that comes. And can we really quickly, actually, by a show of hands, if you really felt like you actually heard God pretty clearly on one of those questions, will you raise your hand? That's awesome. See, because whenever that happened for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can actually have a conversation with God. Like, we can talk back and forth. Like, he's standing in front of me. We can talk back and forth. That's the relationship he actually created me for. Just the way I'm standing and talking to you guys, and you can talk back to me. You usually don't when I'm up here, because, you know, it would get nuts real fast. But it's that simple. (laughs) And I think that that's what God wants to know. It's really simple. It's really simple. So if I can have the prayer teams come up. We're going to activate that last part of it of just allowing other people to hear what God says about us and to speak that out. Um, And so I would really just ask that you guys, you know, would just be open. And maybe you're not actually looking for a certain decision or a question right now, but maybe you just really, you need somebody else to come alongside you and say, this is who God says that you are. And so I want to open that up right now. And like I said, prophecy is very simple. It's just hearing God's heart for God's people. And I also want to talk to the way that you just heard God so clearly. We always operate in that. And so when you do get prophetic words from people, when people do speak over you, uh, you actually have the right to have your spirit confirm, yes, that's true. I partner with that. God, I receive that for myself. Everything that was just spoken, I receive it, let it be done. And on the flip side, you also have the authority to say, that didn't really, that didn't sit well with my spirit. I know the Holy Spirit, he speaks to me, and that's not really true for me. And you can flush it, and you have authority to do that. And I I want there to be a vulnerability, because all of us up here, we're taking a risk. Because we want to know God more, and we love you, so we want to be able to encourage you in that moment and say, this is what God is saying to you, but we can get it wrong. So I just want to put that out there, too, of just know that we're, making, we're taking a risk here because we want you to feel so known, but you have every right, if it, is, if it doesn't resonate with your spirit, to go ahead and flush it. But if it does resonate with your spirit, uh, I would ask that you would let us know you know, whether it's while we're praying to say, yes, that's on, or come to us later and say, that word was on, because for us, that lets us know, okay, God is speaking, confirms it, and it also builds the faith of people around you. So I just want to put that out there, where we love you, our heart is just so that God would move in this moment, um, but don't feel like you have to take all of it. But if it is on, receive it. And while this ministry is going on down here, Lacey's going to be prophesying um, on the piano and in her uh, singing as well. So we're just going to open up the front now for anybody that wants that ministry. Um, And yeah, see what the Holy Spirit does.